0: Well, today there might be just too many cooks in the kitchen, but we're going to do it anyway. So come and join us. We're going to talk about kitchens and cooking and restaurants. Anybody who's a foodie, you're going to want to come by. And if you've just bought a new home, you've got a great new big kitchen and you want to take the mystery out of cooking and using your kitchen. Also, come and join us. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home, and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. I'm gonna be launching a digital course How to Accessorize and Style Your Home in a New York Minute. That's right, I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens, it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it and I love styling for my photo shoots and most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot guess what the client wants to keep it all well I'm gonna show you my secrets my tips my tricks it's gonna be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are gonna be easy for you to get resources solutions and really quick wins at an affordable price all with direction from me so you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So, you're going to want to get on the wait list because if you're on the wait list, you're going to be the first to know, you're going to be in the know, and you are going to be one of the ones to get the special introductory offer on the course. So, to join, you can go to JillCalman slash course wait list. Or if you go to my Instagram profile, at Jill Kalman Interiors, you can get the link in bio directly there and sign up for the waitlist. There's no cost, no nothing right now. It's just to get you on the waitlist so you are privy to all the information and the special deals. I really hope to see you there. I'm so excited to bring this to you. Thank you so much. So today I have joining me Chef Jamie Adams and Leonardo Mora. They are co-owners and business partners with over 40 years of experience in the restaurant industry. They both love to eat well, drink, and be merry, and both have gotten pretty good at selling that whole thing with their two Atlanta-based restaurants, Il Giallo and Lagarde. They've decided to share their food and wine experience in their own podcast that's going to cover their experience and expertise with great sense of humor and without taking themselves too seriously. Their podcast is called Cats and Jammer, and on their podcast, they talk about food, wine, restaurant life, and all the chaos that comes along with all of that. So today I have them on because we are going to talk about cooking and the kitchen, and we're also going to talk about restaurants and get some of the inside scoop on that. So join the conversation with me with Jamie and Leonardo. Here we go. Thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you
1: well thank you for having us we're very excited that we are we're looking forward to it
0: i'm glad i always like to talk about cooking so we're going to get into it today let's start by just letting the audience know a little bit about what you do
2: this is jamie here this is my southern voice leo's got a different southern accent mm-hmm. i am the chef and owner co-owner of il Jallo in sandy springs Georgia. And we also have this other restaurant called LaGarde, which is a New Orleans-inspired place in Chamblee, Georgia, close by.
1: Mm-hmm. And here, it's, I'm Leo. I am from the, uh, the southern it get. I'm from Brazil. You know, we've been in this business for a minute, uh, I would <laughs> say. <laughs> and Ujalo just completed five years. LaGarde just completed a year. We opened right before all of the craziness started. So
0: so, let's talk about cooking. I think I mentioned to you guys I love cooking. I do a lot of it at home. You know, a lot of people especially now with COVID are eating out a little bit less, but they're doing takeout and other things, but you know, I think I mentioned to you it's hard to do takeout every night. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that cooking kind of gets a bad rap. It, it seems like people feel like it's so much harder than it is. So, I'd love to talk about, you know, you know, breaking it down that it's not so hard number 1. We also talked a lot about how ingredients really don't have to be so fancy. They can just be simple and fresh. And we can also talk about how we you know, involve the whole family um, in the whole meal prep. And that actually helps with kids you know, eating healthier too. So I'd love to sort of touch on all that as far as just cooking goes and all those different facets of it.
1: I'm, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here just to start with. So this morning, I was with my son in the kitchen and he asked me to open up a pomegranate, right. The yeah. way I know pomegranate, you just dig in and you just take out the the seeds and all of that and you start eating and sometimes you get a little bit of that white part, you mm-hmm. know, okay, that is bitter. Yeah. Um, and so on. So he taught me a trick this morning. He mm-hmm. told me, "No, dad, you take a, a wooden spoon and you open up the pomegranate, mm-hmm. okay? Then you put a, a water like you fill it up a, a bowl with water uh-huh. and you knock uh-huh. the back of the pomegranate so the seeds will fall in there and the yeah. white part will float. I did not know that. I did not know that. So I thought lie. was the coolest thing. And guess what happened about, you know, kids eating healthy? You know, as they learn those tricks and they want to show you, they also enjoy being part of, you know, what's happening and showing you new tricks. There are a lot of cool tricks out there. So I have four kids. Mm from 12 they, to 5 to 5 yeah. yeah so they love cooking like this morning one of my sons were making bacon the other one made me an eggs mm-hmm. and by the time I was leaving the house they were making sourdough biscuits uh, biscuits yeah so like <laughs> wow
0: your yeah. yeah, kids really like cooking i mean my kids like it too one of my daughters is older now and she's and this is actually how i really took on cooking was When I had my own apartment in college, and you know, again, you're not eating out every night, you have obviously limited funds when you're a college student, right? And you also were accustomed to eating certain foods at home. I know I was. So I'd be like calling my parents, like, how do I make this? And she's doing the same thing. So she's starting to now cook on her own. And then my younger one who's still home, you know, she's just really likes it because she likes all the different foods we've had over Mm -hmm. the years and she wants to learn to make them herself. You know, she likes cooking. And I think I said to you guys too, it's such a cool thing because it involves math and science. Yes. And now with stuff being at home, even before COVID, like it was good math and science lessons. And now what a great lab, the kitchen, right?
1: It's a fantastic lab, you know, and that is measurements and they got to learn. They learn that, you know, when they're making the sourdough biscuits that they got to, that is, you know, a cup or, you know, if it's just a few ounces, they're learning. Uh,
2: Well, now let me interject something. When you're dealing with sourdough, you're dealing also with supernatural powers that, yeah.
1: <laughs> that yeah.
2: thing has a life of its own and you have to learn how to understand saying, it yeah. and understand it and, and take it as it's acting. You know, you, very little what we do to it
1: yeah. works. You know, well, we the, have to we have to listen to it and understand it. Well, usually my wife, by the time right. she says, okay, now you can make it, it means that right, it's kind of it, on right. that spot where, you know, <laughs> usually it's that. So don't think that the kids do that whole entire, but they do. Enjoy it and they cook and then they eat, like, you know. So,
2: you know, the flip side of that is I was the youngest of five kids, and my mother was just a great cook, you know. And mom and dad were both from New Orleans, and my father's favorite thing in the world was to either eat what mom made or, or go out. But, you know, there were these classics that my mother would make all the time. And as a little kid, I was always just drawn to the, you know, the whole process of how she produced all this food, you know, from chopping the vegetables to boiling the cauliflower or the broccoli or, you know, frying the chicken, making the soup. You know, I was just fascinated by all that stuff. And my mother taught me all kinds of stuff, you know, in Mm. terms of, and she was a very strict follower of recipes. And she had all these little cards, you know, that were written out in her perfect little left-hand cursive writing that we, Mm. to this day, that we, our family has treasured them and so, you know, it's, it's sort of imprints in you in a different way when you're there cooking with, you know, a sibling or your mom or your dad. And I think it's a really important bond, you know, to form with your, with mm-hmm. your kids, you know, and it's, it's a bond that's formed between your kids and yourself and also the bond that they get with great food and how health can be prolonged and, and promoted by eating, you know, eating well and not eating yep. a bunch of crap. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. When you're surrounded by it. And actually you just made me think about, I remember when my kids were really little and of course when they're toddlers and you're trying to get them to eat some healthy things and it can be challenging. Mm-hmm. And I remember the pediatrician just saying like, well, here's the thing. If you have it at the table, eventually they're going to eat it. They're going to try it because they're going to see mom and dad eating it. You know, And that was so true. Like my older daughter started to love tossed salad at the age of five. And I used to eat a lot of salad or I do eat a lot of salad. I'd make salad, you know, at dinner. And we went to a restaurant. I ordered my salad and she said, can I have one? And I said, sure. So she asked the waitress, she ordered politely. And she said an extra onion. She actually loved onion. And the waitress looked at me and she's like, are you sure? I said, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) And from that minute on that she ordered in the restaurant on her own, I mean, she to this day loves salads, but I made salads a lot. We had them at the dinner table a lot. So even if she was like two and she wasn't into eating lettuce yet, I didn't make her, but she did see us eat that a lot. We ate a lot of broccoli. we, ate, And so now she does love all those things. So he was really right. You know, when you're exposed to it and you're around it, the food itself, the actual cooking, it does sort of, or it does, you know, become a part of you, you know? Yeah,
1: Well, you know, you when you're eating and enjoying it, right, and your kids see that you're enjoying, it, they're wondering- why are they enjoying that right. You know? <laughs> and then they're yeah. like well maybe you know i will try I mean, there's, something yeah, to that. there's something to that thing so it's interesting
2: i still haven't yeah. been able to talk the boy that's the oldest into eating an oyster and he's 27 i think it'll come sooner or later but we tried to get him to eat an oyster when he was about 11 and took him a minute before he would speak to us uh uh, that
1: that
0: uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, my older one who loves salad, she also is a huge oyster lover and I eat a ton of shellfish, but I actually don't eat oysters, but my husband does. And she used to see him like whenever we would go, I'm from Maine originally and we'd go up, you know, Rhode Island, Maine in the summers and we'd always have great seafood. She yeah. would always see him order, you know, his platter of oysters. So probably that's how it started. Cause those two love their oysters. I eat basically every other shellfish, but it, for whatever reason, I'm not uh, really sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we do have some personal preferences, too, that come into play. What do you think as far as making the kitchen and making cooking seem less challenging to people? What are some of your tips about that, that, you know, trying cooking and it it doesn't like I think there's this old myth that everything you make has to take a whole day to cook and it doesn't. You know, there's a lot of quick recipes you can whip up fast.
1: Well, uh, when uh, Thanksgiving came around, Jamie made a... Cranberry. What is it called? Cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce. sauce oh,
0: cranberry sauce. Yeah.
1: From scratch. And I've mm-hmm. always thought it got to be the hardest thing to make ever. It takes yeah. maybe 10 minutes to make the whole thing. Yeah. And I thought it was incredible. The fact that we've been programmed to think that certain things are just so hard that, you know, it doesn't even allow us to try. The idea of cooking three things at the same time, it's very like, wow, you know, how am I gonna pull that off? So yeah, there are different methods. Cooking is not as complicated as it seems. Yeah. Now, there are techniques, there are things that goes with it, but there's a lot of other dishes that are really simple and not complicated at all. It's just in our heads because we're being programmed to think that, mm-hmm. you know, that is only one way to do certain things.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I believe that you know, people that are starting out cooking, a, a newlywed couple, or you're just a, a couple of college kids that are trying to figure out how to, you know, get through this mystery of how to make dinner. You know, it's always start very <laughs> simple. I mean, I I think you know, roasting a chicken breast is mm-hmm. a great way to um, sort of understand, you know, what happens. When heat hits chicken, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so lay it, you know, lay it in a pan. You season it up and you put whatever you want on there to make it taste any. You know, you can make How stuff like. taste any way you want.
0: Yeah, with all um, kinds of herbs and yeah, you,
2: a, you know, you obviously need a little salt and a little pepper. But you know, roast a chicken, you know, a, a chicken, you know, a couple of chicken breasts, you know, with the skin and the bone, mm. and. You know, you just, all you do is you put it in the pan skin down have and, you done that before? and then the heat does all of the work. I have tried yeah. it. <laughs> let, the, let, the, let the heat do the work, you know, yeah. uh, you get it set up properly and that's what you kind of read about and try to understand, but let the heat do the work. You don't have to do a bunch of, you know, dancing around and, and moving the pan around and just let it work. And then you know, you can see when it's almost done because you'll yeah. have like a little a little center of that chicken breast that is that, that's still a little translucent. And that means it's yeah. almost all the way through and you flip it and it's done. And you just have to try that. But start simple. Don't try to do all these complex sauces, you know, that if you've got a, things like, you know, that you get in restaurants, you know, you get a butter sauce, you know, butter sauces. Don't do a butter sauce at home it can be complicated and you can break it. And it's just, you know, not a great idea. Just, you know, if you wanna make a little sauce in the pan, for example, with that chicken, you can put a little chicken stock in there, just a little bit, not a lot, put a little mm-hmm. tiny bit of butter and some olive oil and some parsley and and you have a little pan sauce, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, like
0: a, I think pan gravies are great. Yeah. I mean, and I think I was saying to you too, like you, know, we have to trust ourselves and it really is common sense. And it is also about using all of our senses when we cook. Like you said, look at it. Does it still look raw? Smell it. How does it smell? Does it need some more seasoning? Taste it. All that. I mean, I use my senses very much when I cook. For me, I think I like cooking better than baking because baking is a little bit more like how you said your mom cooked where everything was very exact. For me, I love sauces and soups and stuff because there's a little bit of leeway, a pinch of this, a pinch of that, you know. And you can't necessarily mess it up, but you're using your senses. And so if it smells, you know, a certain way or tastes a certain way, you can balance it out with another flavor. There's a lot of common sense involved. And I think you bring up a good point. We just kind of like everything else in life. It's like our mindset about it. So if we've kind of built up this big thing of, oh, I can't do it, then guess what? You can't. But if you can just release yourself to say, I'm going to try this. And the thing about cooking too is you might really end up loving it. I find it very therapeutic. Mm -hmm. When I'm cooking, I'm thinking very little about anything else. So it's really good for your mind. I like it because I like to work with my hands. I'm creative. So it's sort of another creative outlet for me. And I find it enjoyable. I also like to feed people. So if I you know, want to have friends over for dinner, I love to cook and feed people along with my family. So, yeah, I think people need to just kind of break those walls, break the rules like we talked about, these sort of made-up rules that we think exist. Don't. I agree. And I think people just need to go for it because cooking can really be fun for the whole family like we talked about.
1: Yeah, and yeah, the other thing that I, I was uh, just thinking about it is the sense of accomplishment that you get after you're done with it. And let's say that you're feeding your family. You know, the, the good thing about your family, they're going to be honest. Yeah. Uh, according to them, 5% <laughs> of the time when I cook is horrible. And then <laughs> and I have 10% of greatness and then the rest of it is good. So,
0: <laughs> right.
1: you know, it's... Uh, so then I know, you know, if somebody's coming over, you know, what I should cook, because <laughs> I know there's a 10% there, you know, I, it would be, you know, a hit. But the sense of accomplishment, the smell that goes in your kitchen, all of that is such a great, it's an experience. And I think, you know, the great thing of being in restaurants for, I, I would say, Jamie and I is the fact that when we look at someone in the dining room, they take a bite of whatever they're they're taking a bite and they make like... Mm. I'm like, uh, we have accomplished. We're always looking for that face. That's the, you know, the experience and the experience at home is so important as well. You know, when you,
2: you
1: know, take a bite of that dish and you're like, Mm. this is so good. You know, it's it's a great accomplishment.
2: And, you know, Jill, you really, you hit the nail on the head is you've got to use your senses. You've got to taste your food. I, I tell that to our cooks all the time. You have to taste everything, every step of the way. And it starts mm-hmm. by tasting before you even start cooking. You know, one of our yeah. things that we got to, you have to always check your mise en place. You know, if you've got, if you've got a little marinara sauce that's like a building block, you got to check it. You got to mm-hmm. taste it, be sure it's right. You know, be sure it hasn't either spoiled or it lacks seasoning or, you know, whatever. Whatever it is. But using your senses is 100% what cooking is all about. You can gain the knowledge pretty easily on YouTube in terms of, you know, technical things to do. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you cannot replace using your senses in any way, shape, or form when you're cooking.
1: No, 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 no.
0: Yeah, it's so, so true, so accurate. And, you know, I think there's been a lot of studies, as we talked about, like when kids are part of the cooking process, they will eat it. And so that leads me into home gardening because – Home gardening has been a trend for a while, and then COVID, like a lot of things, has pushed that trend into overdrive. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are setting up home gardens, and they're finding that when they and their family are growing the food together, then they're using that food as ingredients in their recipes, everyone's more likely to eat it. And I'm sure as restaurant owners, you guys also source from local farms, right? And local ingredients, yeah.
1: So you know, you know, local fishermen, local you know, whatever we can find that is nearby, it's always the best bet. Uh, you know, it has not been transported in a big truck. Just coming in, they catch it, they bring it mm-hmm. to us, or they are picking. You know, like well, right now, we're using Georgia apples for our milk braised pork shank. It's one of the. Uh,
0: oh yeah. We use a yeah. lot of
1: uh, local things that we can. You know, and it's. It's a matter of seasonal things, too. You know, Not, it is, asparagus is not yeah. available all year long, although it seems like that way.
2: Well, it is available all year long if you want it to come from, you know, Malaysia or Chile or, yeah. you know, wherever. And, you know, asparagus has a very short window in Georgia, you know. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it's... You know, and in our position as restaurant owners, people want some of that stuff year round. And, you know, there's a few things that we will do year round. But one thing that we don't do year round is tomatoes. And, you know, tomatoes are one great thing that you can grow at home and Mm -hmm. great results with several different kinds of tomatoes, you know, cherry tomatoes. You get some big heirloom tomatoes that are just Mm. yummy, delicious. And you can grow the Roma style tomatoes. Mm -hmm. They're really easy to grow. Although that being said, my wife and I in our in our last house, we could not get a tomato to grow anywhere on the property.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe you didn't have enough sun or something. I don't know. That's weird, right? No,
2: I, we, I think something might have been wrong with the soil.
0: I was about to say maybe the soil, yeah. Um,
2: but we have high hopes for our new house that we just moved into because we have got a big backyard that we can plant a bunch of stuff. But you know the whole thing about. You know, planning it, watching it grow. You know, as as the kids are are paying attention to it every single day. You know, our kids are grown up now, but they still in our old house. We grew all kind of stuff: cucumbers, eggplant. I remember eggplant, all kind, kind of stuff. Them. And yeah. you know, they would like go out and check it. You know, and say, I think it's time to pick the eggplant. You know, and but now they'd say, you need to go pick the eggplant. It's not like they're <laughs> picking it anymore, but. <laughs> They're telling you what to do, (laughs) but you know, it it gives them a, you know, an attachment that, that makes them want to eat it. And, you know, another great thing to grow that's very easy is herbs, you know, rosemary, sage, thyme.
1: I was going to say, yeah, basil, basil, oregano, yeah. All
2: that stuff, you know, is real, you know, and rosemary, thyme, sage, oregano, marjoram, those are all perennials, you know, you you Mm -hmm. can just tend them and they'll last forever you know, basil, you got to, yeah, mint is a weed, you know, yeah, you got to find a spot right. that you're okay if it takes over, mm-hmm. but using those herbs in your daily cooking gives, you know, it just gives such a different flavor and a freshness and, and a depth of flavor that you don't get out of, you know, the dried stuff, you know, dried stuff gets really, really strong, really concentrated, but yeah. you know, a little bit of, ro- you know, a little rosemary sprig tossed into into that pan that you're cooking the chicken with you know just yeah take the sprig and put it in the pan with the oil and it's gonna impart flavor it's gonna create aroma smash a little garlic clove and put that in there and then you got another another layer and those things garlic is is a little bit difficult to grow but yeah i've tried that one I'm, yeah it's, it's hard successful.
1: yeah the kids tried to, yeah you know, no success i've heard know.
0: that's hard the thing with herbs is you can even have little indoor herb gardens, which is nice in your kitchen, you know? So there's ways to do that. And that's fun. And I think that, You know, aside from the garden, the farmer's markets have been a big trend over the years. And so even if you are unable to have a garden of your own, being able to go to a farmer's market, and even with COVID, some of them are still available. They're doing them in different formats and things, but you Mm -hmm. can still get some fresh local farm food. And like we talked about, ingredients don't have to be fancy. They just have to be fresh. You know, right. yeah. sometimes it's like three simple ingredients that taste delicious. You know,
2: I've said this for years that, you know, I think one of this general malaise that we can find ourselves in the country sometimes about, you know, obesity and fast food and all this stuff. If people were to just at least once or twice a week, just buy raw food, you know, buy a mm-hmm. chicken, buy some vegetables, forget whether it's organic or, or any of that stuff. Or whatever. Yeah. But just buy something raw and cook it. You've taken a huge step towards, you know, having a a healthier diet. And, you know, use butter. Uh, Eat real cheese. Yes. You don't have to eat your body weight. (laughs) But, you know, use real food. Use clean food. And you will be healthier and happier.
0: And butter goes a long way. I mean, you can use, you know, a a pat of butter in a recipe, and it just gives it a different kind of feel and flavor. And when you consider the amount you're using within a whole thing that you're making, in proportion, it's not like tons of butter. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it's something soaking in butter. But, yeah, I'm a big believer because butter is a wonderful. It binds. It flavors. There's all kinds of things. Yeah, We could do a whole show on butter and cheese, I'm sure. Cheese is amazing, too.
1: 100%
0: you know, we all like them, but yeah, it's okay to use some fats. There's a, uh, you've probably heard of it and I hope I won't misspeak the title, but it's called salt, acid, fat, heat. It's a series on Netflix. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. It's amazing. And it's about whatever you cook has to have those four elements happening. Yeah, And so the fat can be healthy fats. It doesn't have to be butter. In fact, she does a lot of cooking throughout Italy. And so olive oil, you know, and other vegetable oils and things like that. So from a science standpoint, those are kind of the four things that need to happen to merge or converge, right? To make something, you know,
2: mm-hmm. cook. that is one of the mysteries of cooking. You know, you have to have those elements, you know, yeah. and when you do get those things all in, in one, you get, you get a really wonderful result. You know, and back to using your senses, you know, I think one thing that people don't really understand about, you know, how to go about seasoning when they taste it and they go, well, this is bland. You know, what do I do? Yeah. yeah. You know, step number one is maybe try some salt. But if it tastes a little bit salty, then maybe maybe a little lemon juice, maybe a little splash of vinegar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So salt, acid, sweet, savory.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Fat.
1: And
0: right. that's like with slow cooker cooking, which can be so convenient. I always tell people, make sure your slow cooker has like a browning mode. If it doesn't brown, because if you just throw something in a slow cooker with all that fluid, to me, that's just like a poached meal. And so I don't think it's going to have the same flavor. Like if I'm making a beef stew in the slow cooker versus the stovetop, I brown my onion first. I brown the beef first. And I think you need that for flavor. I think, you know, poaching is one way of cooking, like poached salmon, poached eggs. There's things you can poach, but like a whole stew or something like that, you have to do that browning first with the heat.
2: Yeah. Um, very I think true. To get rich now, I flavor. Will, I will say that I do a lot of braising and, mm-hmm. and particularly I do it, I do it fairly hot and in the oven. Yeah. And for some things, I do skip the browning of the meat. Mm -hmm. But my philosophy for braising is make a soup that is so good, you just don't know what to do with it. So then you slide that piece of meat in there and cook it for four hours. And (laughs) then it's, you know, you go up to a whole nother level. And then while it's in the oven, you know, that meat will get some of the caramelization and the browning. But definitely browning the vegetables really good in a pan and seasoning them adding some wine and, you know, layering in the flavors with the different things that you're putting into it. And then you make that taste like you're ready to just put it in a bowl and have that soup.
1: That's Exactly. That's that's
2: your good start to a braise, you know?
0: Yeah. Like I made a minestrone over the weekend. And so there wasn't even any meat in it. But just the beginning, doing the onion, celery, and carrot in the beginning, I browned them. You know what I mean? And then before Mm -hmm. I added in my fluid and all that. Yeah, so right.
1: yeah, is, yeah, and it's again, it's,
0: it's kind of like you're using your senses because you turn the heat on and you want to see some caramelization, some browning, right. and then get some smells wafting up. And then you're like, okay, now I can toss in this. And it really yeah. is just about using, just sensing it and trusting yeah. yourself on that.
1: One advice that I would give would be, you know, watch out for your salt right at the beginning because, mm. you know, the, the liquid's going to evaporate. Mm-hmm. And that's going to become a little more concentrated. So you can always add. You know the thing yeah. about salt, you can't be tracked. So yeah, watch out. If I'm
2: let's take risotto for example, which I think is a great, great one pot wonder meal for mm. you know for a home cook. That's it's, it's really not as hard as you everybody people leftovers. think it's the hardest thing in the world to make. But it's really pretty easy, and it you can clean out the refrigerator with leftovers. Yeah. But you typically want to, you always want to put just a little bit of salt in the risotto before you start so the salt will get into the kernel. Mm. Now the liquid around it, you know, you want to be easy, you know, you season it at the end because mm. otherwise you're going to end up salty. And That's a very good tip.
0: Yeah, that's a really good one. If one of the big eyesores in your house is cords everywhere and now with all the charging cables to charge all our devices, cords are everywhere and they look messy so you're going to want to look into coily cables coily cables have these wonderful magnetic sections along the cord that you can keep the cord wrapped and tidy they also come in white they come with several adapters and in several lengths so you are going to want to get these right away they make everything look tidy and neat no more mess no more tangles so Visit the link we put down in the show notes, coilycables.com. Use code WELCOMEHOME20 and you can save 20% off your order. No more tangles with Coily Cable. So the next thing I want to talk about, we spoke about it briefly and I think it's great. You have a lot of input on this. You've noticed over the years, there's a lot of things in kitchens that really aren't necessary that people think they need. So I'd love to talk about what you think is really vital in a kitchen and things that you think really we can do without.
2: Number 1 on the list is warming drawers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I don't They were so under-
0: I mean so what a trend that is and was, right?
2: Yeah, I you know, I don't really understand that. I mean, you know, for day in and day out cooking for your family, there's just absolutely no use in a warming drawer now. If you're cooking for a hundred people and you might want to keep the bread warm for a few minutes, then, you know, you got an oven, you know, a lot of these houses have got two and three ovens, you know, what do you need a, mm-hmm. another warming drawer for? But I also like to avoid a lot of the, uh, there's so many gadgets out there that will, you know, seemingly make your life easier. Mm-hmm. And then a peeler. <laughs> <laughs> but I like very simple equipment. But it's got to be it's got to be good, you know, and by that, I mean, I use a paring knife, a a very good Mm -hmm. paring knife. I use a boning knife, you know, and not everybody's going to need a boning knife to bone chickens and trim meat. But a boning knife is a very good, useful tool in your kitchen Mm
1: -hmm. and a
2: great chef's knife. And, you know, with those three knives, you can accomplish almost everything I don't know what to do with the rest of my knives. Well, I mean, well, it's not okay to collect them. It's like, okay. As a musician, guitar player, you know, there's the uh, question, how many guitars does a guitar player need? And they always mm-hmm. say, just one more. Yeah. It's like that with knives. Just one more.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is true.
2: And that's more of a, a desire and, a, a you know, a curiosity and a, and, a, and a hobby. But, you know, you don't have to clutter your kitchen up with a million different Gadgets because that those three things and a a good peeler, a very good Mm -hmm. uh, peeler, a steel to keep your knives sharp with. And yeah, you know, the fallacy of that is people think that the steel is what sharpens the knife, but it's what keeps it sharp, not Mm -hmm. that it sharpens it. You know, every you should have to put your knife on a stone every three, four months. Um, mm-hmm. and you maintain it with the steel, you know, you're not really sharpening your knife, but, and then I like a good blender, a good strong blender mm-hmm. and a good food processor. And, yeah. you know, those things are accomplish 90% of what I ever do here. I mean, I very seldom use any other kind of equipment. We do have a gigantic wand mixer, you know, that's, you know, could probably, yeah. uh, you could put it in the water and in a canoe, and it'll you'll think it'll, it'll you'll take off, you off. Know? <laughs> you know, but when we're doing large batches of something that we need to puree, it's something like that is good. A little a little wand mixer is also good at home because you can. It's really great for making you Ioli. know aiolis, mayonnaises. and but that's really it. Uh, maybe one other thing is a food mill. Great for soup. Yeah. great for making a tomato sauce. Great yeah. for just about anything. You can run potatoes through it to make. Mashed potatoes, it's very useful and it's easy to clean. That's the other thing about gadgets. If I can do it with a knife, I'm not going to put it into something I have to take apart and clean. Um, I know
0: with like four different parts. It's so true. It's so true. We don't need, like you said, a good set of knives goes a long way in a kitchen. That is for sure with Mm -hmm. a nice cutting board. Yeah. Yeah. So for appliances, it's the warming drawer, anything else you find unnecessary for major appliances, like now the fridge drawer has come out and that's kind of handy. And especially if you have kids, it's handy. I don't know if you find it unnecessary, but that's, you know, in addition to some, to the main refrigerator, right? You can use it for drinks and snacks and things like that. Yeah, Yeah.
1: That's a much more... You use that way more often than a warm drawer. That's, a warm as, drawer, right? as I said before, yeah. the warm drawer that I have at home is used to put all the sheet pans and sheet, all right. the stuff. That's all that is right. in well, and lids and stuff.
2: We're in the yeah. process of, you know, shopping for a new refrigerator. And we do like the idea of that middle drawer, A, because it keeps you from opening the refrigerator. You yeah, know, That if you got true. a bunch of meat and fish in there, then it's, you know, temperature changes, affects, you know, the longevity of of that stuff. So having a little compartment that you can open up and grab drinks from is great. You know, there's a million different versions. Now the one thing I don't think I need Mm -hmm. is I don't think I need that computer screen on it telling me that I don't have milk. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Those are a little over the top. I you know I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So and I don't need the refrigerator to do my shopping list. Right. You know, you got to look at the stuff you got. You know, those are a little crazy. But, you know, it's worth it, – it, your refrigerator is a very important investment.
0: Yes, I agree. I, I'll, I'll
1: say that it's three things. Right. Is your refrigerator in uh, your oven, in your mm-hmm. stove. If or, you're yeah. using a top or if you're just your – order cooktop, you know, yeah. or a combo, It doesn't matter, but those are – Well, yeah, you know, those are me. obviously very – but a refrigerator
2: is usually a bigger expense. Now, I like cooking on gas. We did have one of these glass-top electric – range of, it was just a cooktop the induction isn't it wasn't induction now you know if you want to spend that kind of money induction is unbelievable it, i it, just it,
0: got it, one and i'm it's like i yeah. love it it's like a playground you have the
2: whole range you have the whole range of induction
0: i have a what is it a fi- i have a 5 burner induction cooktop
2: that's awesome those things are great they're worth the money you know the energy savings the speed they come at a hefty price tag, but man, are they good! I, a friend of mine has a restaurant that he just went to all induction cooking, and I, yeah. <laughs> he spent twenty, thirty thousand dollars on. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't have to for, do that for, months, for four but, ranges, and yeah. he said the difference it makes in his kitchen on how fast he can, you know, cook a whole fish and cook, you know, chickens and and make the pasta sauces, it it, it changes. Oh
0: my God, boiling macaroni now. It's like no time at all. And yeah, and and you actually have a ton of control. So the way you have control with gas, you have a lot of control with this too. And we were sort of forced into it because the way my kitchen is set up not to get too far into that, but having the gas line with the hood, there was like an issue. And so we had to keep electric when I rebuilt where the stove top was going. Mm-hmm. And I had been looking into an induction for a few years and really liked it. And then I went into a test kitchen and used it. And that I had a Wolf one picked out that was just regular electric. And then I looked at this particular range induction and I was like, oh my God, this is such a joy. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. This is what I'm getting. It just, I couldn't believe how quickly it boiled water.
1: it's it's, yeah it's insane
2: so uh on that note i was in a house doing a dinner for hire which i do from time to time and brand new house newly renovated gigantic house beautiful house gigantic wolf range and i had one little tiny pot of water that it would not come up to boil and so one of my courses was a pasta so I, i bring what we call our hotel pans, which are just you know, pans that you can cook in or they go in the oven. But I use them in people's homes to where I can put two burners under this hotel pan. Yeah. And it's going to boil the water really fast, right? Well, the water would never boil. And I was like, wow, these people have been had. This range is terrible. I probably spent $10,000 on it, but it would not boil water. And I, I told weird, them, I said, you yeah. guys better get this checked out because um, – That's not right. It's so not, a lot yeah. of times yeah. the fancy labels don't necessarily mean it. it's right. You know, you got to have the right kind of gas connection. You got to – all that kind of stuff. But a good, simple gas range is a great – whether a it's a range, range or, a, or a cooktop. I like gas ovens better than I like electric ovens, although, mm-hmm.
1: you know, we have an electric oven and it works. And they make sure the hood – top is, you know, not as tall as you are. Make uh, that's sure
2: right. <laughs> oh, in that same house with that crazy rain, the, the range, that didn't work. It had, the hood had these corners sticking out that were like right at eye level. And yep. it was I banged my head like three times. And, and I was like, oh yeah, my so, God.
0: Whenever I do kitchen remodels, this comes up all the time. So often there's been an existing hood that someone's always hitting their head on <laughs> or they are doing a remodel. They haven't ever had a hood like that and they want to put one in. And I'm like, well, let's talk about everybody's height
1: <laughs> and what
0: can happen. Because people don't realize the projection coming out. It can, it bumps you in the head, the corner of the eye, whatever. It happens all the time. That's so like that's definitely not. a consideration when you're investing in a new hood, an exhaust system. Absolutely. And I'm
2: I'm not a tall guy. I am five, seven. And, yeah. uh, and I caught that corner right smack in the forehead, it you time. know, yeah. and this just angers me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it ha- I hear it all the time when we do kitchen remodels and they're like, please, we can't have a hood like this. We keep right. bumping our heads. It happens so often. And like you said, it's not even someone who's super tall.
2: Right. You yeah. Gotta it average height.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, let's talk about restaurants because you know a lot of people listening are foodies and like good food, love to eat out. And as restaurant owners, I'd love for you guys to tell us what you think all of us should know or would like us to know about restaurants.
1: They're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the, That's the best true. place in the world. You don't get to you don't get to worry about anything. You got to experience, take your time, enjoy the person you are with. Even if you don't enjoy them, you're with them anyway. <laughs> and, you know, we're at a time that is challenging for a lot of our peers. Yeah. And, you know, and, support, and for us, nice. yeah, support your restaurant. It's very important. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, it's not just you know, a lot of people think I'm supporting the restaurant. You're supporting a lot of families when you right. are supporting a restaurant.
2: That's, that's such very a important. Point.
1: You know, that's the part that is really important. We have two restaurants. We have about right now, about 70 employees. So that's a lot of people that we are responsible uh, responsible for. for. So when you are, you know, ordering from a restaurant, you are actually supporting not just the restaurant, but those families that are within the restaurant. So restaurants are awesome. You don't need to do dishes in a restaurant. right? Well, We do it for you. (laughs) I like to say, I also like to say
2: that, you know, restaurants, there are human beings that work in restaurants. And Mm -hmm. as human beings, we all have flaws. And, you know, right now during this COVID thing, you know, we face another challenge of, okay, so we, we're able to open up uh, and mm-hmm. have our regular service, you know, for people mm-hmm. to come in and sit down. And we've got all of this, you know, crazy amount of to-go business. And, and it's it very difficult because I don't know about what's going on in Connecticut, but I do know that the labor situation in Atlanta, Georgia is unbelievably tight and it's very, very hard to get good workers. It's hard to get workers period.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: being very
1: fortunate. Yeah. Say that.
2: But, you know, I I say to, I I say to our friends, our customers, our guests that we need a little bit of grace at times, you know, we can only do so much. And I compare dining in a restaurant and what I do for a living. And I contrast that to what my wife does, who is a nurse in you know, electrophysiology and she's got wow. needles in people's hearts. You know, her bad day is a little different from my bad day of, yeah. you know, maybe taking 10 minutes too long on getting somebody's veal Parmigiana to them. You, know, <laughs> you, have, you have to keep everything in perspective when you go sure. out. And sure. one of the most important things is when you go out to a restaurant, be nice.
0: Thank and you. Know, yeah.
2: Be nice. Be nice to the people around. And if it's just terrible, then, you know, consider it. You know, you you might not want to go back, but by being nice, it elicits, you know, a great deal more nice things happening.
0: I think that's so important. And it was funny because I always talk about, you know, because I grew up in Maine. And the thing about in Maine, like we're just more humble, we're not very mouthy about things like that. So let's say we're in a restaurant and you don't like the food. You don't say it, you don't beat the waitress up over it, you don't make a thing about it. It's just not. It's like an unspoken thing. It's just considered very kind of rude to do that. And, and so if you don't like it, don't go back. But guess what? There might be 10 other people that loved it that night. And sometimes it comes down to personal taste. So I never was somebody who, you know, felt like you should do that. And it's funny because here where I live, it's a little bit different. And I've seen how people can treat wait staff and other people. And it makes me just want to crawl under the table, you yeah. know. So I think your point is a good one. And especially now where you're running a whole other side of your business that might not have existed before or existed in such a smaller way with takeout. And I Mm -hmm. don't know if you guys are doing your own delivery or you do it through Uber Eats, whatever, but like even the local restaurants I've called where we get some dinner from, they're like, and do you want to add a tip for the delivery guy? I'm like, yes, I sure do. Because I know that he's working harder right now. I know that the restaurant and him are probably making less money right now. And he's doing me a favor by bringing us our dinner. So I think it's really important to recognize that, that they are people, they're working their hardest and not everybody has the same taste. It's a very personal thing. So you might not have liked your dinner, but that doesn't necessarily mean the person did anything wrong.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a very gracious way that you can say, I didn't particularly care for this. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes at me as a chef, you know, if if something's not right, I want to know about it. I don't have this, you know, Oh, if it's perfect, you know, there's no way it's wrong. It's like I believe our guests first, you know. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at it, you know. And and I always taste something that comes back and that way I can say, well, you know, this is just actually the exactly the way it should be. So maybe let's find you something else. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or if you want us to maybe season it a little bit differently, but you know, this is kind of what we do with it. So we just need to probably find something else. And you can be gracious if you don't like something.
0: Yeah. Certainly if something's undercooked, I mean, if it's chicken and it it comes to your plate pink, the restaurant probably should just know about that from a health and safety standpoint. But I just see so much stuff that's unnecessary, the way it's handled and just handled in a manner that could be just very different. And so, yeah, I'm all about that because I just doesn't really help anybody to be rude.
1: Right. Well, what I'll say is that, you know, if you don't like something... Let us know, because yeah. it's how we, we know that something is not right, or something is right, and that's not something that you like. Right, and that is, you know, it's like James said, just be, you know, gracious about it. Don't need to, yeah. It, it's dinner.
2: It's not, you know, it's not sending troops into harm's
1: way. Yeah. You know? Right. Thank
0: you. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: You know, so just to, you know, tell us. You know, we want to hear. Every restaurant wants to hear. That are some restaurants. I would say that they are a little edgy because they think that they're always, you know, they're right never wrong. Yeah. So we know that we're humans. We make mistakes. And and our idea is that what we do after that mistake is done, how we recover from that is what sets us apart. So yeah. no, you're right you're about gonna...
0: that. Because we're all human. There's going to be off nights, right? There's going to be nights you're short staffed or some, or you're training somebody. And so, you know, it's how you make up for it in the end. That's the thing. Everybody has to give somebody grace. Like, things happen sometimes and it right. doesn't. And
2: the, the worst and, thing that possibly can happen is when somebody comes in and has an experience, it's not what they wanted or whatever. And then they go on social media and they just yes. assassinate you. You know, that's, yeah. that is yeah. very
1: unnecessary. It's uh, unfair. And, um, and, yeah. I've tried to fix that right. right there or, you know, invite you back right. so he can make it up to you. So there's various ways that we can, you know, but, it's it's sometimes it's very easy for some people to just sit behind a computer and you know
0: yes well and that could be a series of 12 other shows with i mean there's so much happening <laughs> you know people feel so empowered and it's like just have the courage then, just kindly communicate to the restaurant owner. I'm sure nine and a half out of 10 of them are going to be happy to accommodate you and replace the meal, give you a good certificate. Right. I mean, a million, a million and one ways they'll correct it for you rather than, you know, you go and you blast them and affect their business on social media just because you feel empowered doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the
1: thing I would say is not just restaurants, is any business. Right. You, know, you can always give the feedback and let people know, you know. Even personally, you know, tell someone, mm-hmm. you know, the way you made me feel, it's not cool, you know. Yeah. So I think it's not just restaurants. I think overall, we all got to be a little bit more like, you know, honest right there and right then, personally yeah. versus impersonally. Right. You know, and going behind somebody's back and, you know. That never so anyway. works. Yeah.
0: Well, and vice versa. So if you have a great waiter or a great waitress or you've had a great experience, blast that on social media yeah. as hard as you you were mad. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, and like when I get really good help in a service industry, whether it's a hotel, a restaurant, whatever, I really make a point to thank that person for being so helpful. And even if it's means letting their manager know, you know, they were unbelievable tonight. Like we had a great meal or we had a great experience because of them. Use your energy positively as well as, you know, thinking you can use it negatively too. So yeah.
1: I agree. I That's agree with very, that. very true. It's a great statement. Yeah.
0: Because we've all had, you know, like exceptional. I mean, it wasn't even that long ago. It must have been right before COVID. We just had this great waiter and it was just amazing. And my husband and I like found the manager after and we're like, we just want to let you know so-and-so was incredible. Like it made our meal such an experience tonight. You know?
1: Our former boss used to say. What? Our former boss used to say, yeah. used to say uh, meal can be just good, but if you have excellent service. Oh, yeah. It becomes an excellent meal.
2: Yeah, Pano Veritas yeah. used to say the food's gonna taste better with great service.
1: Yeah. That was the top it is. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's so funny. And like, have you ever taken a flight where you have an amazing flight attendant? Or, oh, or yeah. more than one? Like we've had some that have just been almost entertaining, funny. Like, I mean, it, and it makes your trip that much more enjoyable. Right. You know? So it's all all kind of the same goes back to the same thing. So this has been a great conversation. Thank you guys so much for coming on. And you guys have a podcast. So I want to close the show by letting people know where to find you, your restaurant on social media, your podcast, all of it. And we'll put it all in the show notes. But if you want to let us know here, that would be great too. All
1: right. So cats and jammer is our podcast.
0: Okay.
1: And we have so many other handlers, like, you know, Instagram for both restaurants Facebook for both restaurants, and then websites. But the best way for you to find all of that is you go to theblockmembership.com. Okay. And in there, you're going to find our restaurants. And if you click on the, the restaurants, you'll find our Instagram and our Facebook and all the information that you can about me and Jamie and the restaurants. There <laughs> was, was a time before that I said all of them. I was like, well, that take, it took a, a long very long time. time. Yeah, So...
0: And your restaurants, you're open and you're doing takeout. You're doing both right now, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. I just want to let the audience know because we have people in the Atlanta area, so yeah. So
1: both to- restaurants are open. Dine in, curbside, pickup, delivery. We offer all. Our delivery is, is through DoorDash, and you know it's so far we've, it's it's been great. So we thank yep. our guests and our friends enough to for supporting us and taking care of all of, you know, the people that goes with that That's enterprise. True.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on and giving the chef's perspective and the restaurant perspective on cooking at home and the kitchen and the garden and the family table. It's really been great. And I think it's nice for my listeners who have recently moved to the suburbs. They have a nice spacious kitchen now and have opportunities now to use it and nourish their family and, all of that—it's—it's it's ah, really great.
1: One more thing, Jill, that I forgot yeah. to mention. So on yeah. YouTube, if you search Leo Leonardo and Chef Jamie, uh, yeah. we're now starting putting some videos and how to cook different things and how to make some drinks. So if you're oh, curious about great. it, go in. We have thought how to peel an artichoke recently. The second Perfect. one was about how to cook artichoke. You know, so we're starting. We're going to put more stuff in there as we go. Uh, every Tuesday, we you know if you sign up for our newsletter, you start getting those alerts and with you right. know all the uh, that comes with it of the restaurant.
0: That's well. great. So all the more for the audience, you can get step by step video instruction from these guys in this new series they have on YouTube, and that always helps learning to cook as well. So that's awesome, you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed chatting with you today.
2: Thank, Thank you Jill. for having appreciate. us, Jill. We really appreciate you and uh, and love what you do.
0: Thank you so much. We'll circle back soon. Take care.
1: All right. You too. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I really love doing it. And if you're enjoying it as much as I am, please head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you and I would love the support on the podcast. I happen to have on my website, if you go to JillCalmanInteriors.com, some great freebies for you. So I have your mini moving guide and this is all the things you might not think about, some little quick tips to get you settled and on your way to moving to the suburbs. I have a home planner, which is an amazing thing to help you plan out design because interior design sometimes falls at the bottom of the list Once you've moved in, and then you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed because you haven't planned for it. So, the planner helps you do just that. It's in a really easy, simplistic form, it's free to download, and it'll help you reach your design goals. I also have a moving organizer, and before you move, you're going to want to get this. This has all the checklists and all the pages you are going to need to. Go through your home search, find the right home, get settled, and get through all those details. And that's available on my website for $29. So head on over. There's lots of freebies and lots of things for you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to Interiors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.